Welcome to episode 89 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey gives us a biology lesson focusing on the biodiversity of the Amazon, and I share a sad and upsetting story from Norway. Spoiler alert, people suck. We learn about two cute South American natives for our picks this week, and about our very unique animal of the week. So let's get to it. Episode 89 of the Animal Addicts podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 89 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new assortment of super awesome animals. But before we get into that, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? I went to the zoo again. Nice. But this time it was with my mom and my sisters. Okay. Did you see the axolotl? That's always going to be my first question. No. I feel like the axolotl for you is going to be the bongos and the... Uh, it is. Also, I totally forgot the last time I went to the park, which is a while ago now, the bongos were up front, and like I was with my friend, and I was like, he would be so happy. <laughs> He'd be so jealous. I should say one bongo was up front. <laughs> a singular one went up front. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, continue on. Uh, but yeah, um, it was my older sister's first time being there since um, uh, base camp had opened. Okay. And I was upset because I wanted her to see the axolotl because she loves the axolotl. It's mm-hmm. like, Casey, you want an axolotl? It's like, you can't have one. We're in California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was hiding. Of course. Was yeah. his butt sticking out? No. You could, I couldn't see it at Not all. Not all? Wow. Okay. I'm assuming he was just tucked away in his little hide. Aww. But I was like, no, I want to see. Yes, but it's his home. He's allowed <gasps> yeah. to hide. So, yeah. Um, I didn't. I could tell that... The hippos were in that one area because mm-hmm. I saw the one part of it just filled with water. I have no idea if they're still there now. But they, I never saw them come out because I'm assuming they were still cleaning and all that stuff before they let them out. Are you talking about the original? They're still in the, where they're the still rhinos in, are? Yeah. Okay. Were? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we my, went with my mom, so we spent a large part of my time with at the lions, the tigers... And, and the, bears, oh my. the polar bears. <laughs> Literally and the bears. Okay. Yeah. It's always the polar bear. We hardly ever go down. I think it's called Bear Canyon. Same. I almost never do it either. Mm-hmm. But that always makes me think of the Andean bear when it was doing airplane turns that one day. Also the whole Teddy Graham saga. Oh, good times. Why? <laughs> I wish they were still there. I wish they had Teddy Graham. I know. <laughs> anyway. No, I need Teddy Grahams. The sign is gone because people complained because they didn't have Teddy Grahams. That's my thought. Anyway, I just don't find it so funny. But um, we didn't see as much activity as when I went with my brother and my mom. Um, well, it was hot, so yeah, but it was hot that day. But no, oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was a good time. I saw the peccaries wallowing in mud, and it's funny because I always find it funny how people don't can't think that there may be a different name for that animal than what they call it. Um, because saw this one woman walk by the peccaries, um, and she said, "Oh, I thought they were javelinas, and uh, but no, they're peccaries." And it's like, javelinas are peccaries. They are. <laughs> it's like it's just frustrating. Also, there's. Oh, okay. He's melting down. Yeah, it's frustrating. People are frustrating. People are very frustrating. <sighs> yeah. 
with the elephants playing in the water. They put a video I, out, and it was elephants playing in the water. It looked like mm -hmm. it was the zoo, not the park. Yeah, no. Um, I saw the video, but they weren't playing in the water when oh, we were there. I always uh, want to see that. Yeah, my mom always wants to see it, and she he has yet to till this day. <laughs> I mean, the amount of times I've gone and in my life, I think I've seen them playing in the water like four times. Mm -hmm. I've seen quite a few times. But um, and it's like that's another thing we said and wait for. It's like, watch, he's going in. Well, that's my mom's thought about He's going in first. Now. I just love that video where he just like flops over. He like oh, walks yeah. halfway in and just like and collapse. <laughs> just flop on your side. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Also, I still haven't seen announcements where they're going to announce the launch of improvements on Elvent. Same. Yeah. I haven't seen anything about that. Yeah. Every time I go, I'm like, it's going to be closed eventually. Mm -hmm. We don't know when. Yeah. You would think they would give you a forewarning about mm -hmm. that, but who knows? Oh. The worst part of our day, though, and oh, this okay. is ridiculous because yeah. it's nothing animal related. Okay. But we love kettle corn, and for the longest time, we thought the kettle corn was gone because it wasn't that. Um, it went away when they were building a base camp. Yeah. But now there's that one station where you can get kettle corn, and we bought some, and we also got the refill bucket. Yeah. And um, we were walking around eating the kettle corn all day. Then all of a sudden, um, it was one of my sisters wanted kettle corn, and is like, "Where's the bucket?" And we lost our bucket. Oh no! Sad times. Yeah. So no, no three dollar refills. Oh, sad times. Is that how that works? Is it like the souvenir cups? Every yeah. time you bring it back, you can get a. That's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Good team. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. gonna be tough for the next like month because it's just gonna be so hot. Mm-hmm. I'm so jealous because my parents are in monsoon season and they're like, oh yeah, we get rain every day. We've had rain every day for over two weeks, and I'm like, I would like some of that. Can we have? Even one day? Can we get one day of rain? Ugh, monsoonness. They're getting all kinds of water up there. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm jealous. Also, I just miss, because when my Nana lived there first, she had like a little porch area, and like just sitting out on the porch in a rainstorm <laughs> is the best. I love it. Mm. I love it. Anyway, we don't get that in California, so mm -mm. there you go. Anyway, all right, well, um, that's fun. Mm -hmm. I went for my uh, evening constitutional the other day around the neighborhood and I've started going so I go usually I go to the neighborhood across the way because you know like where we live there are no sidewalks right mm -hmm. so you would die so I go over to the neighborhood over there which those houses have to be over a million dollars not because they're really nice but because it's California and they're big anyway um so I, and I did oh the one what? couple who walks you with did their what? dog no they're one couple who walks with their dog it's a lab now I know which house is theirs and they have a cool house their house is like it's not black but it's like a really like charcoal gray paint I'm like, your house is the coolest, like, paint job of all these houses here. And I'm like, oh, now I know who lives there. It's you with the cool <laughs> lab. It's you with the cool lab. Because I see them walking a lot, and I'm like, ah, yeah. Anyway, so, back to this. <laughs> Just a quick side tangent is, like, I, I think I'm remembering this correctly, but according to the AKC, um, it's not, like, gray labs aren't recognized as legitimate labs. Grays, no. I think they only do the, the well, I don't know what the names are, but chocolate, yellow, chocolate, and black. And yeah black yeah yeah but i like i've grays. almost never seen a gray they're so rare i've done once one time yeah anyway so mm -hmm. side tangent anyway but now i've started going down the road a little bit more and there's this other like a little smaller neighborhood thing that doesn't have as many little cross streets um side street things and there are also cute houses over there but i was walking and i'm like what is all this noise mm -hmm. and then i look up i'm like was birds are making a racket and then like over so i don't know if like somebody because you know how people have like carrier pigeons or like messenger pigeons and mm -hmm. stuff and they release them and they come back and stuff so i don't know if that's what's going on or if these birds were just flying over that general direction but i feel like they must have been in someone's backyard because suddenly all of these parrots or lorikeets or whatever they were i feel like they were parrots 
I don't know. They were all green, and they had, like, a little bit of red on their head, but they're so loud, like they are. You know how they are. Um, anyway, and a huge flock of them come out. Okay, not huge, but, like, a large flock of them come out, and they're so loud, and everyone, and I'm just like, I'm so confused, because these do not look like native animals, and then are they pets, and then do you train them to come back, and also, probably we shouldn't be releasing non-native right. birds into the environment, so I was so confused, and I'd never seen it before. Yeah, like that. Okay. Uh, kind of. Like that? I didn't get the best look, but mostly green and that red, so obviously I wouldn't have seen... Yeah, so that top picture, I would say that looks like that. Top left one? Yeah, that top left. Yeah, that's also a red crown um, Amazon. Oh, I don't think they were that big. They weren't like, they weren't like macaw size. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were definitely more like a smaller parrot, like an African gray probably size, is my yeah, guess Amazons about where are... they are pretty close to that yeah size. so okay anyway so i was just shocked because i was like i don't understand what is happening <laughs> are these pets and they're just so loud and i'm like i don't feel like your neighbors would appreciate this but they're so loud and then they go sit in a tree a ways off mm -hmm. and then i might like circle back from the neighbor they're still sitting in this tree so i'm like they haven't come back home yet so i'm like i don't know what's happening i'm so confused if these are pets or if there's like a loose flock that I've literally never seen <laughs> ever. Mm -hmm. I'm not aware of them having some sort of migration situations. I'm like, I'm so confused. Anyway, it's a really cute neighborhood though. And they even have, I should have taken a picture of it. Next time I go for my constitution, I'll take a picture. They have one of those little libraries, you know, the little like tiny libraries that people put books oh, in. Oh yeah. I have them. one of those where I live. Yeah. Anyway, I was like, oh, that's so cute. I haven't looked to see what books they have because I have no time to read, so whatever. But anyway, but I was just like, oh, so cute. But anyway, it just, like, it just amazed me because I was like, where are these birds coming from? And do you have them in something in your backyard? Because they all came out from that general direction. But also, like, why are you letting – obviously, they can fly. <laughs> like, why are you letting non-native birds out like that? Mm -hmm. I'm so confused. It reminds me of when um, one of our old managers – my old managers at um... – where we used to work, um, told me about how somebody came in, bought a bunch of, I think it was finches, and then, like, nearly all the finches went outside and be free. Literally outside in the parking lot? Yeah. I don't think those finches are going to do well. Nope. That's really sad. Yeah. People, people ain't smart. No, they're not. They're not. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that was that. There you go. But you have your morning constitutionals. I have my evening constitutionals. Yeah, I've been lacking. <laughs> I'm not about to get up that early, mm -hmm. and it is just way too hot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now it's like I have to time it because it takes me – because I go for two miles. So I'm like it takes me about an hour to do almost. Mm -hmm. So I'm like you have to time it so you're not losing light, but that it's like starting to cool down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'm supposed to do it today, and I don't know because it's so hot today. I'm like I don't know if it's going to be cool enough before it's time to go do that walk. Anyway, moving on. So, Casey has a bio lesson for us today. Woohoo! Yes. It's been a bit since we've had that, so tell us about that. Yes, so we're going to talk about the Amazon's biodiversity. It's so cool. Yep. Isn't it the most biodiverse place? For terrestrial habitats, yes. Yes, I should be. Okay, fine. <laughs> yes. Now, Allie, I want to ask you, why do you think that is? Because of high density of... <laughs> animals and various but what causes that high density of animals plentiful resources okay so anyway so there's actually this phenomenon when we look at bi global biodiversity patterns where yes. um as you go increase from lat 
latitude from the equator, biodiversity gradually decreases. Okay, makes sense. And it is at the peak at the equator. Okay. So, now the question is kind of why is, like, there is so much biodiversity in here. And there's two general um, models um, that kind of look at it because the two key factors that affect this latitude gradient um, are evolutionary history and um, the climate. Yeah. So, the thing with... Um, Tropical climates, it kind of delves down into this concept as um, tropics as the cradle model. Um, cradle model? Yeah. Um, so basically, because keep in mind, um, over at the poles, there's going to be these glaciation events, and there's going to be natural fluctuations over evolutionary time. Um, not evolutionary time, just geological time. <laughs> and um, so because of that, there's going to be a lot more changes at these latitudes. That's not very good for stability. Right. And that kind of gets down to this um, um, cradle concept where um, this region, where it's not um, subjected to these glaciations, is basically where there is time to allow for speciation to occur. Okay. Yeah. It, because the... One, there's this concept called punctuated equilibrium where um, for evolution where it's like there's rapid change followed by long periods of stability and so there's these long periods of stability and lots of speciation um, over during the tropics while you get larger worse extinction rates with um, the poles okay yeah um, that also kind of ties to um, the temperate and more polar communities as um, because of these glaciations it also kind of ties into the tropics being as the museum as like because they haven't been exposed to these extinctions there's a lot more species that are still left over from the past <laughs> that okay. have remained because when you have these more climactic changes around the poles um, going to be more extinction rates and it's like those uh you don't have the same extinctions happening whereas at the equator. Okay. Um, and one thing, uh, but the thing that two, two environmental factors, so not related to life, um, that really promote this biodiversity are sunlight and precipitation. Okay. Um, one thing that's complicated with the precipitation is a good portion of the Amazon's weather is actually controlled by plants. So crazy. Yeah, because basically what happens is there's going to be rain, and then how plants, especially trees, um, get water down from their roots all the way up to um, the top is through a process called evapotranspiration, because <laughs> it's just a big word. Yes. Evapotranspiration. Yes. So water is what we call both adhesive and um, cohesive, so it likes to stick together, also likes to stick to other surfaces. So that's kind of same concept within um it's called the xylem in plants that's the part of plant that transports water it's not living tissue it's dead tissue um so much okay yes it's not important but through evapotranspiration um the water sticks together and because it like sticks the edge of the xylem it just gets pushed up through the xylem of okay paper. and to get furthermore the process of evaporation is also pulling water up it's heating even when it's inside the tree no so or it's just on the outside of the tree it's heating the outside of the tree right okay but that um, is causing temperature changes and water will expand under oh, okay, okay, temperature okay. Okay. and that kind of 
pulls it up through the xylem. Okay. And then that creates humidity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but back to the tropics as a cradle, that also ties to kind of this is where life more so initiated because um, it's the cradle. It's where things have, again, like I said, it ha- requires more time for species to evolve and give more time for species to evolve, you'll have greater biodiversity. Right, okay. That makes sense. And so it just cradles all the life that began. It's like, oh, you take your time. And that, along with, um, as the museum, because it's not exposed to those extinction rates, um, is the general models as to why um, there is this. This is specifically more uh, for plants, but it does apply for animals because um, the plant diversity is what provides the means for the animal diversity because keep right. in mind vast majority of the species that are here are insects that's true yeah and when you have a lot of different plant species um it provides more insect biodiversity because most insects are herbivorous and most of the herbivorous insects are actually specialists so they will just go after one kind one, of plant uh, yeah okay and um because the rainforest such a vast ecosystem um, insects rely a lot on what's called microclimates, which is basically a tiny little sub-ecosystem within the broader ecosystem. Okay. And so they can fulfill a niche, say, there's these kinds of insects near the bottom of a tree, then there's ones that can live in the canopy, then there's ones that are just terrestrial. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know what makes me think of, like, the cradle is like, oh, this is the, like, mm-hmm. helpful, supportive parenting, mm-hmm. and the poles are like, eh, just survive. <laughs> and that's where they die. <laughs> Like there's no support. Oh my god! Just try not to plug things into electrical outlets and mm-hmm. sink or swim. Throw you in the ocean. Mm-hmm. If you don't swim, then I guess you die. Yeah. Anyway, okay, great. So there you go. Interesting. That makes mm-hmm. sense though. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just crazy. Yeah. And the again, the importance with the light and precipitation is plants need water to survive, and the light is how they make food. Yes. Mm-hmm. Photosynthesis. Yes. I'm sorry, evapotranspiration? Yes. Okay, myrmecophagus and evapotranspiration all sound like a fancy biologist. <laughs> yes. Just saying big yeah. words. The thing that was interesting that I learned, um, because I had to learn this in my conservation um, and bi- ecology and conservation biology course, um, is that these models have two kind of different assumptions um, because you have to keep one thing, um, one of the factors static in like the tropics is the cradle model that is assuming a consistent extinction rate across all latitudes mm, okay yeah whereas life um has simply just been around longer than the equator and because extinction rate is flat across all around um they've just simply had more time um, to evolve many species and then where um the tropics as a museum model it's reversed where um actually the biodiversity is um, consist- was consistent across the latitudes, but then the extinction rate varies um, across geographic ranges. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is this a museum model? Hmm? Why is it the museum model? Okay, so um, keep in mind there's going it's going to be much more consistent temperature around the tropics because over at the poles is where you have our glaciers. Right. And during geological time, there's going to be changes within the global temperature that will cause these glaciers to recede and um, 
you have recede and expand. Right. Um, and when there's going to be these expansions, that's going to result in a higher um, extinction rate because with these glacier expandings, it's going to be taking away habitat, minimizing resources, and so that's going to cause a higher extinction rate at these higher latitudes. Okay. Yeah. I you just, don't have that at the equator because I just don't get why it's bridges. called the museum. Because model. the concept is that uh, the bio, the number of species is. Um, consistent across all ranges oh. um, and because they're not affected um, by these extinctions life from that what died in the past of the glaciers if that was at the equator it didn't get exposed to those extinction rates okay yeah weird okay mm-hmm. i still think that's a weird name choice for that but mm-hmm. sure whatever okay <laughs> well um not really a good uh I guess our guess our segue is unlike the biodiversity of the Amazon, if we go up in latitude, um, everybody may remember. I don't know if we, we never talked about her, so I don't know if you were aware of Freya the walrus, who was up in uh in Norway being a little celebrity. Um, I have terrible news, and it pisses me off. So Norway euthanized her because people are fucking stupid. That's why because people are stupid, and it drives me insane. So, I guess I'll just get into it a bit. So, the Norwegian government euthanized its celebrity walrus, Freyra, early Sunday morning. I don't remember what Sunday this was. um, After warning the public to stay away from her. The decision to euthanize the walrus was made based on an overall assessment of the continued threat to human safety, said Frank Bakke Jensen. Sure. Bake Jensen. The director uh, general at the Norwegian Directorate of Fisheries in a news release. So, um... So Freya became obviously a social media sensation this summer. Um, Rune A I something A A E, who teaches biology at the University of Southeastern Norway and manages the a Google Map of Freya sightings, <laughs> told CNN mm. the young female walrus have been spending time at the Oslo Fjord, an inlet on the country's southeastern coast, and was seemingly unafraid of humans, unlike most walruses. And obviously, there's a lot of videos of her. So anyway, um, in the past week, the directorate warned public to stay away from Freya. You shouldn't even have to warn people. The fact that you have to warn them is ridiculous, but also you've been warned. Anyway, saying they had observed visitors swimming with her, throwing objects at her, and getting dangerously close to take photos. The public has disregarded the current recommendation to keep clear distance of the walrus. Nadia Jaini. Something like that. <laughs> Spokesperson of the Norwegian Detector, the, oh my gosh, Directorate of Fisheries told CNN. So essentially, because people wouldn't listen and because people are stupid anyway, they euthanize the walrus that they really didn't need to euthanize. The only reason I say that you'd be pissed at her is if she's sinking your boat, which I get would suck. Mm-hmm. But like, I just feel like in general, if people are that dumb, thin the herd. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's also like recently they also had video of some tourists. There are two bison fighting. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they're like a car length away from them. That's about it. And another tourist is like, get away. They're going to kill you. I'm like, don't tell. Just let them kill them. Mm. Like, if you're that mm. stupid, then you shouldn't be passing your jeans on. <laughs> right? Mm. So same thing with this. If you're stupid enough to swim up to a walrus, <laughs> then like... You know, you know you're taking a risk, and that's on you. Like, if I go base jumping, I know there's a risk involved, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not going to be mad at, at someone else if I, like, you just thin the herd, stop killing animals because of human stupidity. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, also they've been warned. It's not even like they haven't been warned. I'm like, well, you broke the rule we set for your safety, so that's on you, mm-hmm. idiot. Anyway. Um, so anyway, so um, obviously I'll post the article and you can read the entirety of it. But um, where was the part about? Where'd you go? There we go. So, um, so obviously walruses are usually afraid of people, so that was sort of a concern because she wasn't afraid of people. And it's very rare to have walrus come here, come down, I should say, go down that low. So um, usually marine mammals are wary of humans and stay on the outer edges of Norway's coast. I'm just going to say I, I don't know how to pronounce the name. I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> the um, biology professor tracking Freya's sighting said that the last time a walrus was documented this far south in the North Sea was 2013. It is not common at all to have them down there, he said, which led crowds of Norwegians flocking to see Freya. I would go see too. Obviously, there's a walrus. I want to go see it. So normally walruses will show up on some islands, but they will leave quite soon because they're afraid of people. But Freya is not afraid of people, he said. Actually, I think she likes people, so that's why she's not leaving. <laughs> um, anyway, so in a Facebook post after Freya's death was announced, I, I condemned the directorate's decision uh, to euthanize her as too hasty. He said the fishery staff were monitoring her with a patrol boat to ensure the public's safety, and she would likely leave the fjord soon, as she had on her previous visits in the spring. Uh, Freya would have soon, Freya would have sooner or later gotten out of the Oslo Fjord, which all previous experience has shown. So euthanasia was, in my view, completely unnecessary. He wrote. Anyway, and then it ends with "What a shame!" and like an exclamation point, which is just weird and comes across as weird to me. But that's obviously how they wrote it. I'm sure not how they were speaking. Yay. Anyway, but again, so it's just I feel like it's really stupid that a you can be monitoring this so. You shouldn't need to euthanize it. Also, again, if they're that stupid, let them die. Like, I don't know why we're going out of our way to protect people who are that dumb. Like, just as a society in general. You know what I mean? Well, I think there's a correlation with them also being the rich people that have resources. I don't know. I guess, but like, I mean, if you've been warned, Mm -hmm. also at a certain point, like, you just have to have a brain. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, maybe if we just stopped letting people get away with that, we'd be a little bit tougher. You know what I mean? Like, do you think an Alaskan is, like, just chilling with a walrus? I think an Alaskan is going to be smart enough to be like, hey, that animal could kill me. Let me look at this from a distance. You know what I mean? Like, people who are around wildlife more are a little more with it. And if you're not, you don't need to be there. I suggest you go move to London (laughs) or somewhere where they don't have animals. Like, I just... I don't, people are just so frustrating. It drives mm-hmm. me nuts. Yeah, the bison, there's been so many. Oh my God, there's so many bison lately. attacks, to, well, attacks, but like, I mean, where people get so close, but that one, I'm like, they're literally, fi- even if they're not trying to attack you, if they just step on you, <laughs> because they're moving a lot mm-hmm. when they run into each other, like, yeah. you're, d- also, I'd be like, I need to move my car because my car is going to get totaled yeah. <laughs> being next to these two. Yeah. I also make a rule as like, I avoid herbiv getting close to herbivores than predators because predators are very much risk adverse okay because you have to think about it um a predator when they go out hunting what's at risk their lunch yep if they worst thing they fail a hunt they lose their lunch Mm -hmm. a prey item if they feel threatened they feel like they're being hunted it's life or death for them they're going to fight with everything they have yeah i guess that's true Mm -hmm. So anyway, it just, it infuriates me 
ugh, it's so frustrating. I just feel like there's just a lot of irresponsibility in government positions mm -hmm. about wildlife mm -hmm. and giving people too much leeway. Mm -hmm. I'm, it's just, it really is frustrating. I'm like, at a certain point, let them die. <laughs> Like, you just, we, mm -hmm. honestly, I think we should thin the herd at that kind of thing. If you're that stupid, I don't think it's benefiting mm -hmm. society for you to continue to be there. Like, you can be stupid and not go and risk a bunch of stuff, and that's fine. You can be stupid on your own and just, like, do your thing. But, like, if you're going to be stupid and risk that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, then, like, that's on you. And please don't contribute to the gene pool. There's already plenty of people who do not be, need to be contributing. So, talking to most shoppers. <laughs> anyway, um, but, yeah, mm -hmm. so it infuriates me. But um, in zero segue, no. let's move yeah. on into <laughs> our category this week, which was Casey's Choice. Yes. And I believe it was a category chosen for a specific animal, as we like to do. Yes, I did. And I struggled with this. But anyway, Casey, tell us about your animal and what the category is. The category is South American marsupials. Woohoo. <laughs> so tell us about Where's yours. Where's that enthusiasm? Because there just weren't options. They weren't. I don't think you looked hard. Enough. They weren't exciting options. <laughs> uh, on. My choice is the Monito del Monte. So fancy sounding. Yes. So the scientific name is Dromisiops. Dromisiops. Yeah. Try again. Dromisiops. Okay. The Roides. Okay. This species is only found in the northern region of Patagonia on the mainland of South America, as well as a population on Chiloé Island. At one point, the Chiloé Island population was recognized as separate subspecies, but the only difference was their darker fur coat. So now they are all considered just a single species and no subspecies. Okay. Is Chiloé Island where my Darwin's box was? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They live in both temperate forests and rainforests, but prefer living in old-growth forests consisting of trees in the genus Nothophagus, uh, commonly known as southern beaches. Okay. Their lifespan in the wild is not known, but the longest lifespan in captivity was 26 months, and some suspect they could live to be around three years and possibly longer. Um, some estimates from individuals captured in the field put them at around five to six years of age, which is relatively long for a marsupial of its size. Hmm. They are very small, somewhat mouse-like marsupials. Uh, they have a body length of 83 to 130 millimeters. Their tail length is 90 to 132 millimeters, and they weigh 16 to 24 grams. Oh, they're cute. Mm -hmm. Females tend to be heavier and longer than the males, and they also have thicker tails. But this sexual dimorphism seems to be based on seasonal variation, Specifically at the end of summer, but scientists are unsure if this is true throughout the entire year. They are primarily insectivorous and will eat a variety of insects as well as their larvae and the pupil that they find in tree branches. A large part of their diet actually consists of moths and butterflies. And during other parts of the year, though, they will eat large amounts of fruit. The Manito del Monte actually translates to Little Monkey on the Mount. <laughs> And if you want to use the name properly when you refer to multiple individuals, it's Monitos del Monte. Monitos del Monte, that's yep. cute. It got its name because this marsupial's arboreal and some behaviors and other characteristics are reminiscent of a monkey. For instance, they have opposable thumbs and a prehensile tail. The tail also has a bald section on the underside that likely gives them a better grip when grasping tree branches. They're incredibly adept to moving around trees. They have... Um, 
been measured moving up a tree at one meter per second and can leave a one meter between tree branches. Hmm. It is also sometimes referred to as the Colocolo opossum. However, the name is very deceptive because it is not closely related to opossums. Also, opossums is not a great term because it actually is a paraphyletic group because there are possums in America as well as in Australia, and they're not closely related at all. This does look like a mini opossum, though. Yeah. Also, it looks like it has fingerless gloves. <laughs> look at this. Is that not fingerless gloves? It's yeah. so cute. They're, anyway, they're continue really on. cute. I'm just so happy Casey chose something adorable for once. Oh my! Without God. me making you. Okay. Um, and term opossum is even more inappropriate for this species in particular because it has no close living relatives. It is actually the only living member of an entire order of the Microbiotheria. This makes it one of the most unique species of mammals on Earth and is the third most evolutionary distinct mammal species assessed by the Zoological Society of London's Edgeless, only being behind the aardvark and the um, platypus. And this species represents around 63.9 million years of unique evolutionary history. Because of this, many regard this species as a living fossil. Fossil. (laughs) <laughs> the Monito del Monte is a very important species in regards to evolutionary biology because even though it lives in a small region of South America, it is actually more closely related to Australian marsupials than those in America. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This species is actually well adapted to cold environments due to its typical um, temperate environment and will partake in some group living and cluster together to better retain body heat. Another very unique characteristic of the Monito del Monte is that it is the only known hibernating mammal of South America. Oh. They will go into both daily torpor. Um, torpor is just an act, uh, a behavior, not behavior, a adaptation in which your metabolism reduces very little and become very inactive. Hmm. Okay. It's part of hibernation. Um, and they will go into hibernation, uh, longer periods of hibernation, um, as a response to different stresses in the environment. When the temperature decreases to 12 and a half degrees Celsius, they have been known to go into torpor for up five days. And in these events, their core temperature was near the ambient temperature. Ambient temperature just means air temperature. Air temperature, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and they, in this state, they would go from 370 breaths per minute to just two. Ooh. Mm-hmm. When temperature changes aren't as extreme, they will go into a daily torpor where they go into a similar state, but just for a few hours and it is used to reduce energy expenditure similar to what hummingbirds do because they, especially ones in the temperate climates up here, they will go in torpor every single day. Hmm, I didn't know that. Yep, or else they would die in their sleep from not enough calories. Oh, that's crazy. Yep. And due to the fact that this is the only living member of its order, um, through further research, they may provide us with more information on the evolution of hibernation. The Monito del Monte is currently listed as near threatened by the IUCN Red List. Unfortunately, the species population is in decline, largely due to loss of its natural habitat, which is already very restricted. There does need to be more research done to determine how different impacts like logging and agriculture are affecting it. One thing that does not work in the species' favor is that it has a low reproductive rate. Some possum species that live alongside the Minito del Monte have up to 16 offspring at a time and reach sexual maturity by age one. 
uh, in comparison, the Manichel del Monte can have a max of just four, and they reach sexual maturity at age two. Oh. So they have a max reproductive rate of just two new individuals per year. <gasps> yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's totally crazy to me. Mm-hmm. So climate change is also a concern given its hibernation habits um, and evidence points to that a difference of just two to three degrees can take this animal out of its torpor and that may uh, and as global warming continues that may find themselves uh, active when there is not enough food available. Hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that'd be bad. Yep. Okay. Poor little guys. Mm-hmm. They're really cute. Yes, they are. I'm kind of shocked. Okay, anyway. All right, so I chose mine. I struggled with this category, um, and I, to be fair, couldn't find a picture of the one I really wanted to do, so we did a little offshoot of it. So I have chosen the Tate's Woolly Mouse Opossum. They're also pretty cute. Anyway, um, their scientific name is Marmosa Paraguania? No. Guayana? Paraguayana. Guayana. Okay, here we go. Marmosa just makes me think of mimosa. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So, can you imagine them with a little teeny tiny mimosa and a little hand? Okay, anyway. Ooh. This species is native to oh part gosh. of southern Brazil as well as parts of Bolivia and Argentina. They are found in the coastal forests that neighbor the Atlantic coast. They prefer living in forested habitat but have been known to disperse between fragmented forests traveling across 800 meters of grassland pretty good for a little thing Mm -hmm. anyway um as the name would suggest they are a very small species and can easily fit in the palm of a human hand they are omnivorous and they're an omnivorous species that feeds on various insect species but also relies on fruit and nectar as part of its diet oh how cute anyway this species got its name from the fact that it is very small like a mouse has a very dense fur coat, which is actually woollier than some of its close relatives, and was named after the zoologist Henry Hamilton Tate. That is an amazing name! Wow! (laughs) Henry Hamilton Tate, at your service. That's amazing. Anyway, so the Tate's woolly mouse, I keep wanting to say woolly mammoth. I know! (laughs) The Tate's woolly mouse opossum belongs to the family Didelphidae, close enough, which are sometimes commonly referred to as the opossums. Along with all these opossums being, along with all these opossums being in this family, the Didelphidae mm-hmm, is the only family within the order Didelphimorphia, but it should be known that these are not all related to animal species in Australia known as possums. Oh God, that's complicated. Okay, here we go. It is the largest family of marsupials in the Americas and contains, it moves so fast, 19 gender, genders, <laughs> wow, 19 genera and over 90 different species. This species was once classified under the genus Mycorius, so I'm going with, but it has since been reclassified along with many other small opossum species under the genus Marmosa. I prefer that. Thank you so much. Mycorius is now recognized as a subgenus under Marmosa that the Tate's woolly mouse opossum belongs to and is most closely related to the Alston's mouse opossum and the woolly mouse opossum. 
the Alston, their last name is Alston. Sorry, your name isn't Henry Hamilton Tate. <laughs> I don't know what your first name is, but that's not as cool. All right, the Tate's woolly mouse opossum is a nocturnal and arboreal species of opossum and is likely solitary similar to its close relatives. They have very large eyes in proportion to their head, which allows them to take in more light into their eyes, granting them great night vision to aid them with hunting for insects. However, their eyes appear even larger than they actually are because they have dark spectacles around their eyes. The Tate's woolly mouse opossum is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List. Currently, their populations are stable and they are not, there are not any major threats to the species survival, but it is experiencing habitat loss due to agriculture, which may put the species at risk in the future. It is not in any species specific conservation plans but it is present in multiple protected areas in its range is that part of um umbrella stuff cool yeah who are their umbrella species most likely the felines of the area cool <laughs> cats usually cats not as much canines are good flagship species they're just good protect the large area there's gonna be little guys that get protected okay <laughs> because they're charismatic or just okay. yeah everyone loves cats they're great <laughs> they're just the best i mean there are other great animals but cats are great have you done the google search thing yes <laughs> I know exactly. People, sorry, we got off topic. But people, if you haven't done it, you Google search. I think it's just cat. Yeah, you just Google cat. Cat, and there's a little paw at the top. And if you click on it, then wherever you click, you'll get a paw. It's so cute and simple, but it's so cute. Anyway, try it. All right, back to the focusing again. Anyway, all right. So, uh, hey, Casey. Yes, Addy. What is the marsupial's favorite violent video game? Violent video game. Yes. I mean, most video games are violent, to be fair, but it's very fighting-focused. We'll put it that way. I don't know. Mortal Wombat. I, I was saying it's like Mortal Kombat. I'm like, yeah. oh, I get it. I think of that. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Well, that brings us to our Animal of the Week, and our Animal of the Week this week is... The Amazon River Dolphin. The Amazonian River Dolphin? <laughs> Typed as Amazonian. Oh, did I? Yes. My bad. <laughs> the Amazon River Dolphin, brought to you by the people who brought you river sharks. Anyway, which was a spear tooth shark, yes? Am uh -huh. I crazy? Okay, cool. At first, I thought sharks. I was like, is that an actual show? No. River sharks <laughs> and river dolphins. I'm just saying because we have told them about these animals. Okay. So we are now bringing information about a river dolphin. <sighs> Super excited about this one. Tell us about them. Yes, so they come from the order Artiodactyla. Okay. And they're in the family Aeneidae. And their scientific name is Aenea geofrensis. I love that. In Neo Geofrensis? In Neo Geofrensis. Oh my god, I love that one. Okay. Uh, there is debate surrounding whether or not the Amazon River dolphins should be split into multiple different species. So describing the exact range is difficult, but in general, river dolphins can be found in countries such as Bolivia, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Venezuela, in the Amazon and the Orinoco River systems, along with the Araguaia uh, River. Evidence suggests that these species can live into their mid-20s and possibly into their 30s. They are the largest of all the river dolphin species, and they are also sexually dimorphic. Males average around 2.3 meters, 154 kilograms, while females are about 2 meters and 100 kilograms. 
This translates to males being 15% large, longer and 50% heavier than females, making them one of the most sexually dimorphic species of cetaceans. It also makes them unique among the river dolphins, as in many species, it is actually the females that are larger than the males. Like other toothed cetaceans, they are piscivores that eat a large variety of fish. They have among the most diverse diets of dolphin species, with an individual river dolphin consuming more species of fish than other species even have access to in their environment. Whoa. In all, they have been recorded preying on over 40 different species of fish from 19 different families, which includes fish like tetras, croakers, cichlids, and piranhas. Okay. The variety in their diet also changes based upon the season. Um, in the dry season, there is less diversity in their diet because fish are more heavily concentrated and they can afford to be more choosy with what they eat. In the wet season, though, the fish are less compacted together, so they must expand what they will eat in order to meet their nutritional requirements. Unlike their oceanic counterparts, the river dolphin are usually solitary feeders and don't cooperatively, cooperatively hunt fish very often. This species will often develop a pinkish coloration, especially as they mature, so they are commonly called pink river dolphins, but it is unknown exactly why they develop this pink colorations. Males t also tend to have more of a pink color than do females, and general, the main idea is that the pink is a result from scarring tissues as they fight between individuals. Oh, mm -hmm. that's really... Violent <laughs> and scary. Mm -hmm. I'm not accustomed to another animal whose color changes because they fight and get <laughs> scars. <Yep. laughs> oh my god. During the wet season, the rivers actually overflow and the forests become flooded, which expands the dolphin's territory, but it is usually the females that venture into the flooded forest, likely to avoid the pursuits from the males. Females also tend to take their dependent calves along into these flooded areas in the wet season. And this phenomenon is called sexual segrega segregation. Okay. Male will try to impress females during the mating season by picking objects in the water like plants and branches, lift it out of the water with their mouth, and proceed to twirl in circles, then smack it on the water surface. That is amazing, <laughs> and I want to see that in the wild. That sounds amazing. <laughs> they also have a unique adaptation that allows them to navigate through trees and branches underwater, and that is the presence of the neck which allows them much greater mobility than their oceanic counterparts. They will also use their incredibly long beak to go after prey, moving through the branches and sifting through the mud for crustaceans. The water of the Amazon River is very murky, as most rivers are. Despite their small eyes, they have pretty decent eyesight, but rely much more on their echolocation both to navigate um, as well as to locate prey. Another adaptation they have that aids them in navigating around the river is the lack of a dorsal fin and have more of a hump. Um, this prevents them from getting impeded by branches and vegetation in the river. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Outside the likely other river dolphin species in South America, the Amazon river dolphin is not closely related to the oceanic dolphins like bullnose and other familiar species. Rather, it is most closely related to the La Plata dolphin, which belongs to its own family. They are also not closely related to other river dolphin species from South Asia. The South Asian river dolphins are actually more closely related to beaked whales than they are uh, to the Amazon river dolphins or the oceanic dolphins. 
The rubber dolphins represent a polyphyletic group and are not related to each other at all, and their similar body shapes and other adaptations are the result of convergent evolution. The Amazon river dolphin is actually a species on the Zoological Society of London's edge list and is ranked 29th amongst mammals. And the species represents about 35.84 million years of unique evolutionary history. There is mounting evidence, though, that the Amazon river dolphin should be split up into multiple species, as there is both genetic evidence and now differences in skull morphologies that supports it. The Amazon River Dolphin is currently listed as endangered by the IUCN Red List. Unfortunately, this species population is in decline. The biggest threat this species faces comes from the fishing industry. They incidentally get caught as bycatch by fishing gear, or worse, sometimes deliberately killed to be used as bait or as a way of predator control, uh, since the dolphins will go after the fish that are caught in their nets. Oh. <laughs> Overfishing is also putting a strain on the fish population that the dolphins need to thrive. Their habitat is also being degraded by dams, which restrict their movement as well as their prey. And they have been trying to put restriction and even bans on some species of fish that put the dolphin at risk. Um, but multiple countries are working on developing sustainable fishing practices to help protect the dolphins without putting too much strain on fishermen. Okay. Mm -hmm. I gotta say they are a little weird looking. <laughs> But um, they're cool. They're also a little bit wrinkly, which kind of yeah. reminds me of the uh, Titicaca frog mm -hmm. that yeah. we forgot about last time. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, but they're cool, though. Yes. Super cool. But I am very disturbed by the coloration situation. Mm -hmm. That is not, that's not cool. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our animal of the week, the Amazon River Dolphin. And it's time for our challenge, which is my turn. I have a pen, but I do not have a piece of paper. Do you have a piece of paper just so I can track how we're doing? Don't. <laughs> wow, that paper is stronger than. <laughs> That's fine. I can use that. Like <laughs> I don't need a big thing. That would have been fine. <laughs> that was. I wish you all could have seen that. That was amazing. The struggle was so real. All right, are you gonna do the timer? You usually just do the yeah. timer, so I just assume you do. All right, so. Uh, timer. Five minutes. On a new phone. Ooh. Are you? Oh, that's so cute. Mm. I love that case. Yep. Anyway, all right, you got turtles. Okay, so we are going to ten do minutes? no five minutes. Five minutes. Yes. I feel we would I die if we try to do this for ten minutes. <laughs> Guaranteed. All right, so we are going to do kind of similar to what we've done before, sort of. We are going to be naming movies oh with boy. animal names in the title, uh, which is not not Benji, right? Not the name of the individual animal. Like it has to be like cat. Okay. Or something like that, right? So it can't be. Oh boy. All right, all right. Oh, oh, I should always have this prep so we know who goes first, and I never do. If this is a 19 again, I'm gonna be so pissed. Jesus Christ! Well, 16. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's a 16. So it's me. I'm first. Okay. Oh my goodness. That's still a really good roll. I gotta stop. <laughs> I just gotta when I play D and D, I just gotta be like, I'm just rolling to see who goes first, and then there we go. Oh my gosh. All right. So, all right. Here we go. Are we ready? Yeah. And go. A fish called Wanda. Shorktail. Okay. Um, 101 Dalmatians. Lion King. Okay. Um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Dang it. Sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. Are we counting Bugs Life? That's fine. Okay. We'll count that. Ants. Thank you. 
<laughs> Dang it, that was my next one. <laughs> I didn't think about that one. Uh, um. Oh, Dolphin's Tale. Okay. Uh, the Great Panda Adventure. <laughs> Are we counting documentaries? Oh, boy. No. Not documentaries. I don't know that movie then. I thought it was documentary. You've never seen that? Uh-oh. Am I crazy? Am I oh, lying? Oh, Kung Fu Panda. There you go. I feel like I'm not lying. I think it was called The Great Panda Adventure. Um, that darn cat. How do you know something? Because that's old. And it's, I think it's Disney. Mm. Oh, boy. Why can't I not think of anything? Yeah, that's not a good one. Come see. Oh, my goodness. That's what I'm telling you. Ten minutes, we would have died. Yes, we would have. We have three minutes and still time. <laughs> uh, I have more, but... Oh, oh my little pony. <laughs> sure, we'll take it. Um, mm. What was I just thinking of? Uh, the shaggy dog. Mm. Cats. Good. <laughs> I was like, that's like one of the easiest ones to go for. All right. Um, oh, shoot. What was that one called? I can't remember the name of it. I can't remember the name of that one either. It's very upsetting. Um, I guess I can't do like the Lion King 2 Simba's Pride. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cheating. No, that's cheating. Okay. Um, oh no, here we are. We're starting to get to it. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm literally trying to just think of Pixar movies because I feel like that's it has probably to be one. a really great way to do it, quite honestly. Um, there's cars and planes, so you know. <laughs> I've never seen Why planes. Why can't there be, you know, other stuff? Um, I guess I can't do 102 Dalmatians either. No. That's also cheating. Um, oh nope, gosh. that's a that's a character name. There's so many character name yeah. ones, you know. Um, oh, I know one. This is very frustrating. Um, um, I'm trying to go through Disney, and I does not. Oh, Princess and the Frog. Dog's purpose. Oh, there you go. Um, oh, God. How much longer do we have? Two minutes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we only needed, like, two minutes for this. Okay. Um, there has to be a horse one, but most of them are character names. Mm -hmm. I know. Racing stripes. <laughs> it doesn't count. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's <laughs> not an actual animal. Oh, my God. Madagascar is a place. Mm hmm Um God, what is that? Oh, it's a penguin one. A penguin. <gasps> the greatest penguin? Mm. The penguin I know too now. Well that's not fair. That's rude. Um Has there really not been like the Raven adaptation? <laughs> I guess not. Um Oh, bees. Mars of Penguins. That's a documentary. Okay. Nope. Uh, Mr. Popper's Penguins. There we go. We'll take that one. <laughs> that was my second. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what the second part of Ace Ventura 2 is called. <laughs> but I don't think that's it. Um, I don't think there's a name. Animal yeah, name in that. There is. Oh, I don't think it's the animal name. No, it might not be. George of the Jungle does not work. Nope, nope, nope. Um... Most of them don't have the actual name in them. Mm -hmm. 
Like, there's Operation Dumbo Drop, but that's not helpful to me. Um, Office has all the documentaries, but we can't do those. Uh, oh, I know one. There have to be more dog ones. How much time do we have? 15 seconds. Oh, oh god. Sorry, I'm gonna kill us. All dogs go to heaven! It's your good life of pets. Oh, mmm. That's pets, that's not an animal name. Sorry. Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure we're out of time, right? Yeah. All that's right. why I went. To kill a mockingbird. Come on! That's what happens. That's what happens after after we do it. That's when it happens. You know there gotta be bird ones. Mm -hmm. There's gotta be bird ones. <sighs> so frustrating. Anyway, okay, well, we weren't awful. I'm not sure if that last one was real or not because I feel like I marked it when you said Secret Life of Pets, which I'm not counting. Uh. So anyway, all right. Well, anyway, we have we have 20. Mm -hmm. 20 in five minutes that we did. So that was that was rough. Ha ha ha, rough. Like it's average of four a minute. Barking. That's pretty bad. Uh. It's pretty bad. Yep. All right. Well, um, that brings us, though, to the... I'm sure there were people, like, yelling... People yeah. would listen to us and yell things out and be like, how could you... I'm really mad about not thinking about To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Isn't there one that's, like, Cats in the Cradle? Is that a book? That's something. Oh, no. Just a song? I don't know. Anyway. Okay. Huh. Come you down. You know what? I should have just started thinking. I was like, what's on Netflix that nobody watches? That nobody watches. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they've done an adaptation of The Seagull. They probably have. They've probably done a film adaptation what of The Seagull. What if you counted Raptor Ranch? <laughs> no. Damn. I don't know, because it'd have to be a specific raptor. Velociraptor. <laughs> yeah, but it's not Velociraptor <laughs> Ranch. It's Raptor Ranch, uh, so that does not count. There's got to be, like, a kangaroo thing, too. Kangaroo Jack! Yeah, we just... We, we had troubles. That was a problem. Why? Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 89 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast. Bye.